while police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices News Talk radio program, and I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. As most of us are doing our best to observe social distancing and wearing masks, all while trying to, at the same time, to move forward and upward in our directing, acting, singing, writing careers, and and whatever you out there do for a living, I've asked my dearest Broadway film and television friend, Avery Summers, to join us again. Some of you who tune in regularly know that I've asked her to join us at least once a month because she is so uplifting and we always enjoy having her on the show and also because I am painfully aware that as a history teacher, there was a lot that I didn't teach about history because it wasn't in the books and I didn't know about it. And so that's part of what Avery and I do to remind people that all of us are here together and all of us are contributing to the welfare of all of us. So there it is. You may recall also that in, from past shows that Avery's credits include, and I'm just speaking theater here now, but they're not limited to the Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, The Matron Mama Morton in Chicago, Platinum, original Broadway production 1978, and Ain't Misbehaving. And of course, we'll get her to talk some more about her good friend and mentor, Bert Reynolds. But Avery, first of all, welcome back to our monthly conversation of updates. How are you today? I am great, and I'm so glad to be with you, especially with this upcoming holiday season. I think everybody's very excited to try to pull the end of 2020 together and celebrate with everybody that they can. That's true. Social distancing, virally, however you have to do it to be safe, but let us remember this time of years is certainly a time of rejuvenation, I think, at the very least, as well as joy to the world. I wonder, you know, the last time we, t- we talked on the show, we we talked pretty much about two big things in your life. One, that you were moving, and the other, that you were going, you had been invited back to the Kravis Center. But So, how's the new home? Oh, my gosh. I absolutely love it. And you and I talked just a little bit briefly uh, about the lawn service here and people doing things and it's really wonderful it's gorgeous here i am in my new one-bedroom apartment and i'm telling you it's nothing like putting the key in the lock of your own place Mm -hmm. and i think everybody who's listening if they've ever encountered having to live with someone else or share a space with someone else even though it may be family and they love them very much it's really wonderful to have your own quote-unquote independence and to walk into your own place and I have my own vibe in here so that's really great because I am a flower lover I love lots of flowers and bright colors and and I I turn on every light in the house when I come in (laughs) every light goes on (laughs) so (laughs) my electric bill may be a little high but I don't care Mm. (laughs) So what is it about the light? You just love it all. Uh, is it Broadway? What is <laughs> <What>? <laughs> that? 
That's funny. I hadn't thought about that, but I'll take it. Okay. It's the lights on Broadway that are right now, as we all know, kind of dim. Yes. Uh, but I, I want to remember how things were and how I'm hoping dearly that they will become again. Yes. So, yes, maybe that's what it is. Well, I think certainly the second half of uh, 2021 things should be coming back. But I'm also surprised, I'm certainly surprised at myself, but I'm incredibly impressed with the people that I know and I'm working with, and yourself included, who have carried on to whatever degree they could. You know my good friend Larry and, and I are working on a musical and we're, we are recording, <laughs> you know, in safe places and mm-hmm. doing teaser ads and uh, others I know who've just I've become a Zoom uh, coach, everybody calls me now, because, and I thought I would never do that. I know you and I have talked about how I, I wasn't warm to that for actors, but it isn't so much actors as corporate people who are coming to me, because now they're not flying to meet people in person. They have to do it all on, on camera, on the computer. And and so that's a whole new thing for me, and I'm loving it. I mean, I've, I've coached uh, corporate people before, but never never online let's put it that way anyway again uh-huh. <laughs> again enough of me i want to talk to you <laughs> i i want to hear everything so i'm glad you love the new place and i do relate to that i think even being married as happily as we are i love the fact that my wife's studio is at one end of the house and my <laughs> mine is at the other because meeting in the middle is very joyful but it's nice to have that space any space that you can call yeah. your own, you know, uh, mm-hmm. personally, emotionally, psychologically. Didn't I say something before the show about I wouldn't be able to talk as much because my throat's bothering me? I, I, I guess I better live up to that. All right, on to my next question, finally. The other thing we were talking about the last time a lot is that at the time, you had just been invited to return to the Kravis Center to do a performance there on Saturday, December 19th. And I should tell everyone, we are talking on Monday, December 21st. So she has just done that. But in the meantime, Avery gave me a call and the Kravitz asked her to do a second show on Sunday, December 20th. So tell us all about why they asked you to do two and why they asked you to do the first one and how did it go? Just tell us everything. Well, thank you very much. The show December 19th had been on their books for a year so I knew that I was scheduled to do December 19th 2020 but of course at the beginning of the year when the pandemic happened everything shut down as we all know and that included the big big venues and they said well gosh we have no idea what's going to happen let's try to reschedule you for maybe the spring of 2021. Mm -hmm. Well, then uh, in September, I got a call from Lee Bell, who is the senior programmer at the uh, Kravis. And you may remember Judith Mitchell. She's the CEO there. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so, you know, now, of course, the Kravis is about 27 years old. Mm -hmm. They've been there. They celebrate their 25th anniversary a couple of years ago, and I was a guest there. So... Lee called me and he said, Avery, we're trying to figure out how we can socially distance everyone and be very, very aware of the CDC guidelines. And Judith and I would like for you to do your show Mm -hmm. on your scheduled date. And I said, well, that's really sweet. But, you know, during this whole time, I have not been working on my new show, which was going to be my blues show with Dana Rowe, who you met in New York when I did for Fennel Miller reasons. Yes. Uh-huh. So Dana and I had put aside our show and, and the, the months dragged on, as so to speak. And so I said, well, my gosh, Lee, I don't have my show ready. He said, well, what about For Fennel Reasons? Do you want to reimagine that? And I said, well, I would love to do that. Let me talk now with Phil Hinton, who is my musical director here, find out what we can do and how we can make this all happen. So Phil and I talked he agreed, and we got started on trying to put together some ideas of shows that we have already done, and as he likes to say, and I'm sure you've heard this expression, smash them together. Yes. <laughs> and, and so, 
that's what we did. And there are a couple of things that we did that were new to both of us, and we put it together, and my gosh, Lee was over the moon about it. The tables in the in the Rinker Playhouse, which is where we were, which you may remember, yes. has stadium seating that can be moved just with uh, by pushing it up against the wall, and it flattens out, and you don't even know they're there. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what they decided to do, and they uh, to keep people distanced from each other. Mm-hmm. They put in twenty tables, and they only wanted four people at a table. Each person had to know the other person, so it wasn't the easiest thing to do mm-hmm. to get tables of uh, four people who all know each other. Because usually, when people come to a show, they sit wherever they are assigned, and they don't know necessarily know each other. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. But now with the CDC guidelines, they had to know each other, and we were all thoroughly surprised when all twenty of those tables sold out in in a month's time. Given that the show was on the 19th of December, it was sold out just after Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. So Lee called me and he said, my gosh, Avery, your show is sold out. We would love to know if you'd like to do a second show. <laughs> and I said, well, that that's really wonderful. When are you thinking? He said, the same day. And I said, oh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Lee. And if I were 10 years younger, I would jump at that. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I don't jump so much at things now yeah. that require me to do to go, you know, full speed ahead on one thing and then maybe give less than full speed ahead on the other. I yes. don't like doing that. Yes, I understand. Yes. So, because the second show was going to be at two o'clock that day, and then the next show was going to be at seven thirty, and there's no time to revise uh, for uh, me uh-huh. when I do that. He said, oh gosh, I get that. Well, what would you want to do? And I said, well, I would not mind doing a matinee the next day, which was Sunday. Mm-hmm. So he said, well, let me go back to Judith and everyone, uh, sound and lights and all, and, and the PR department and find out if they're all right with that, and then we can put it in the box office. Let me get back with you. And he got back within an hour, and he said, everybody says it's the go. All right. So... It was thrilling. We sold a lot of seats for the second day. We sold about half the amount of seats. So we had about 20 tables sold as a, uh, I'm sorry, 10 tables sold as opposed to 20 mm-hmm. with four people at each table. So that was still quite a lot for this time, the pandemic, yes. for people who are still quite a bit nervous about going out yes. and about gathering in because people are all right with gathering outside, but not so much inside. And they had everything set up, Marcello. You know how they oh, run yes. the Kravitz. It's clockwork. It's, yes. it's beautiful. They had people um, to take the temperature. They had, you know, you had to have your name on a list mm-hmm. for your people. And they had all of the hand sanitizers. And they usually have a little station where you can go and get drinks and cocktails and this they had table size service instead because they did not want anybody standing in line behind each other that Mm. they didn't know Mm -hmm. i thought it was pretty phenomenal that they really pulled that together i'm i'm not surprised but that was one of my questions what sort of precautions did they take and it sounds like as usual i mean as you say the kravis they have their act together and and and, yes, and, they do. and this is what I meant at the beginning when I was saying I'm 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 becoming more and more impressed as I hear about how some of the people in our business are making adjustments already, but coming back as much as they can do carefully, you know, safely. I mean, it's like directing. You know what I'm talking about. You walk in and and you've been told one thing about the size of the theater or what they expect or however the layout is. And this is what it is. Or you lose a cast member, as you did once recently. Okay, that's the new situation. So what are we going to do? We don't sit around and mope. We don't have time. Well, so I am not surprised, but I am impressed, I guess, every time I hear a story like this, that uh, people are being cautious, uh, but they are moving forward. We need the arts. We just do. Okay. We do, we do. And what was wonderful is that they did put the tables 
very, very far apart. So when I went in, they shortened, also shortened the stage by six feet. The, the stage used to extend out into the house uh-huh. because the stadium seating was so far away, so they extended the stage. Well, this way, they shortened the stage so that we would then be equally distanced away from the audience. I'm telling you, they thought of everything. And mm. then they did not want me to have bass and drums on the stage. They uh. only wanted me and piano, yes. my musical director. Yes. That was it. So that I could actually now be far enough away from him. Well, you know, it was it was, it was amazing that all of these things worked so well. The funny part about it is that Phil and I, I go to his home home studio uh-huh. and we're right on top of each other. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but for them, it just made them feel better that we would be that much further apart. Sure. And I talked with several people after the show yesterday and they remarked about how fabulous the sound was uh-huh. and there again you know the the Kravis does not waste time they do everything top notch and it was just a joy to be there in that environment with them doing such great work yeah you know and i remember that very well and one of the things that it impresses me and of course, you don't have to be as large as the Kravis to do this. The arena stage in, in D.C. also has several theaters within it. The Kennedy Center, mm-hmm. where I've actually directed, they also have multiple theaters within. So you mm-hmm. remind us of what theater you were in. This was the Rinker Playhouse. Yes, that's within right. The, within the Kravis Center. Yeah. yeah. And it's an amazing facility all around. But I like that they have, that the arts in general, but certainly the Kravis Center and other other performing arts centers that thought ahead and planned uh, architecturally a center that could house many different venues and therefore yes. increase its service to the community as well as the entertainment factors. Well, I um, we have many more. <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know what's going on with my throat today. I don't. It doesn't feel sore. I just feel I don't know something. Anyway. I'm going to spare you (laughs) the sound of my voice today as much as possible. We're going to take a short break. We are talking to, and I hope listening even more, to Avery Summers, my good friend. We have lots more to talk about, the Kravis Center, of course, but also other things that are going on in the business and in our lives, particularly the life of our guest today, Avery Summers. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now... Another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. When we first saw the best exotic marigold hotel, we were surrounded by a sea of blue hair. Not punk dye job blue, but the natural old age gray kind. And boy, did they love this story. Seven elderly Brits succumb to promotions of affordable luxury retirement living in India. Predictably, upon arrival, their accommodations offer less than the luxury depicted, setting the stage for a rich tableau of reaction, story, and experience. This film features prime British acting royalty. Dame Judi Dench, Dame Maggie Smith, Bill Nye, and Tom Wilkinson, to name a few. Not everyone may recognize these names, but suffice it to say that their mastery in the art of character would make utterly fascinating their reading of a dictionary. And... They have been given a wonderfully sensitive and comedic story to complement their considerable talents. Sure, the storyline of aging, hope, disappointment, staying positive, and facing death turns out older viewers. So, not about the young? Of course it is. Time marches forward and all can thoroughly enjoy contemplation of what is current for some and future for the rest. Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio Program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, and my guest today is my good friend Avery Summers of Broadway, of television, and of film. She's worked with the best and has seen a lot of things happen in show business that not everyone survived, but we are going on, and so many of our friends that we know are are uh, working also, working through this in every way they can. I, As you know, I talk to a lot of people in show business and politics, 
And it's been a challenge, but people are managing, and, and Avery and I were talking about that in the last segment, not only what she's doing, which is always grand, and the fact that people pick up the phone in major venues and say, how would you like to do a show? <laughs> you know what? S- seriously, Avery, let me ask you that. And I must say, I've, I have on occasion had the, the fun of that. But what does that feel like? And what do you... Well, first of all, what does it feel like? Then I'm, I want to ask you something else about it. Well, you know, it feels absolutely wonderful that people believe in me, they trust me to do what I said that I'm going to do, that they know my reputation, they know my work, and uh, they want me to be a part of their season or their show ideas or things like that. Yeah, Oh, yes, it feels, it feels amazing for someone to want you to do what you do. Well, you kind of answered what my other question was, which, of course, you always do. You're always a step ahead of me. Uh, (laughs) But I was going to ask also, why do you suppose it is? But it is your reputation, absolutely. But people also have a lot of evidence to support that reputation. It's not just that they have heard that you are good or even that they read a review. There's a lot of evidence of an amazing career. And so we're going to talk about some more of it. I know You know what, one thing, I threw out a, a number of shows that you were involved in, in Broadway and, and Broadway tours, but one I don't think we've ever talked about really is Platinum. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. All right. Well, Platinum came about because it was an idea about an older woman who wanted to be hip and with it and all of that, and she needed to have a way to do that through young people, Hmm. and I was one of the sort of three young people that she called on to help her to understand what hip and with it was, because she was a 60s, a 50s, 40s movie star, and her name uh, actually is Alexa Smith, which some people of your audience might remember, and she was a movie star. Uh She was a huge movie star in the 40s and 50s, and... The, the connection that you might remember, and I don't know, but this fellow's name is Bruce Valanche. Yes. Now, Bruce, he was in the one of the center squares of the Hollywood Square years Oh, yes, ago. yes. He had big hair, and he had red glasses on. Now, he was a head writer, and quite honestly, he was on camera for about four years, but he wrote all of the very funny things that Paul Lynn would say. Yes. He was a writer for that show uh, all those years. Now, Bruce was connected with Platinum because he did some writing for that, and he wrote one of the songs that I sang. So that's how we reconnected, and that was basically the story of Platinum, is that this older woman wanted to be connected with the industry now, so that she could become more viable again. And it was a musical that we did a very short run on Broadway. It didn't last long. And the reason they said that it didn't last long is that there was a strike. All of the papers, the New York Magazine and all of the the newspapers and all of that were on strike, so there were no reviews. Ah. So that's the reason they said that we didn't last very long. So, you know, now that you've reminded me of the story, I I don't know the show per se, but I do remember Uh the show now, yes. And who played the Uh lead, you said? The movie star that played the lead? Alexis Smith. Oh, my heavens. I love her. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not that she's so long ago, because she was around a great deal, but I want to remind everyone listening that if you saw the older movie about Cole Porter starring Cary mm-hmm. Grant she played mm-hmm. his wife in that I always al- right. I just loved Alexis Smith I thought she was wonderful and I'm glad to hear that uh, in 1978 she was still doing her thing that's marvelous well yes, great absolutely. I'm glad I asked I don't know why I've never asked before it's always been on the on the cheat sheet of your credits so <laughs> I uh, <laughs> Let me add one thing to that. Due to Facebook, Bruce Valanche saw that I was doing my show at the Kravitz, and he saw that I was also teaching this year. Huh? And he said, Avery, I, I won't be able to get to your show. I would love to. He said, but let me buy a table for your show for some of your students oh, who wow. probably will not be able to afford to come to your show. And he bought 
a table, which was just That's the most wonderful thing. Absolutely. And so four of my students came and were just delirious and, mm -hmm. and thrilled and everything. So I'm so, so very happy that he decided to do that. And he said, and I said, oh my gosh, Bruce, thank you so much. I never even imagined that anyone would do that. And he said, well, I have no children. So I want to spend my money on people who I think would really enjoy the opportunity to see you. That is so grand of him. Wow. And for your yes. students, I know when, when, when I've had students come to see me in something, they're always, I'm going to ask and see if this happened to you, they always seem to be so surprised, you know, <laughs> that you know that you know how to do what you're teaching them to do. I mean, and, and yeah. it's, it's not that they don't appreciate me as a teacher, but, you know, they see in the classroom, I do this, I do that, they, you know, to get them to do something. But then when they see you perform, tell us about that. How did your students respond to seeing you? Oh, my God, she really is. Yes. She... <laughs> tell us. It was so cute. Several of them said, oh, Miss Avery, you're so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> In my mind, I'm thinking, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. But they just cast, I mean, everybody does, but uh, but but they just cast us as what they see. And now you've you've embellished that whole image. You know, they'll they'll yes. always they'll yes. be staring at you and up at you more than uh, than perhaps they have even in the past. It's a whole new and realm. They never see me. They never see me dressed up, you yes. know. I mean, I was done because I am called the queen of bling. Uh -huh. And I always say to them that if I don't have on enough bling, don't worry, I've got more in the dressing room. Yeah. And so they, they <laughs> laugh about that and they say, wow, you look so good. I, was like, okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Never, never gets old having a new new people in the audience who know you uh, being so impressed that uh, you're better than they even imagined. So, I mean, it's just, a, yes. it's their excitement is so contagious. I think that's what I'm trying it, to say. It is, it is. And so I'm actually, Marcello, I'm, I'm actually getting back to work with them. We're going to be doing that. You something that you and I've talked about uh, on occasion. Yes. The intersection of Lincoln and Park. And that's about Rosa Parks. Yes, mm -hmm. uh -huh. we've talked about that before, and I, you know that may. I don't want to interrupt if you wanted to say more about that, but I do wanted to ask something that has happened to me occasionally. I wonder if you've had to deal with it, and I've never asked you before. Have you been at, at any point performing, that is, acting, singing, and at the same time involved either in directing another show or that same show? Is that something that you've done? Well, if, if I understand your, your question, I was doing a piece called Good People while uh -huh. rehearsing for the show that I just did at the Kravitz. Is yes. that what you mean? That's what I mean. How was that? Well, thank you. It was it was intense. <laughs> it was quite intense. Yes. Because I, I had to really carve out the time that I needed for my show, uh, and I always put myself on my own rehearsal. So that means that I don't have time in the day to think about the show that I'm directing with new people who truly are new artists, new actors. They don't have a lot to call on in their reserve. Uh, so I have to give them every nuance, a lot of how to say it, uh, you know, and that sort of thing. And then save the time for myself to do what I needed to do, knowing that my show was coming right up. So weeks before last, we did the, the uh, show, Good People, which you may know, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we just took three scenes out of it and stretched it to an hour performance because that's all we wanted to have people inside the facility. And there again, it was social distancing and that sort of thing. So the theater home. 40 people, and we cut that in half as far as seating and made it only 20 people so that there could be seats in between mm -hmm. and hand sanitizer and the temperature, everything, all mm -hmm. of the, the big CDC guidelines. It worked so well. The audience loved it. The cast loved it. And I, I finally had to say, all right, I love you all. I won't see you until 
maybe the beginning of the year because I knew I needed to take time yes. for myself, yes. for my performances, and just now to just sort of calm down and, and sort of let it all wash over me, should we say that, and, yes. <laughs> and enjoy having done it all. You know, and I want you to know I was sensitive to that. Uh, although I didn't become really sensitive to it until this morning, I thought, you know, you're not giving Avery at least 24 hours to just let it sort of, let all of that just flow a little bit all around her before you're going to ask her a lot of questions about it. But I didn't change my <laughs> mind. I had you on anyway. <laughs> I'm glad. But I understand what you mean. I just want you to know it. at least I was... I was sensitive enough to think about it, even though I didn't reschedule the show. <laughs> oh, no, that's, uh, I'm glad, actually. I, I've got, you know, there are several things I've got to do, certain, you know, errands to run today, and, and I slept in a little bit this morning, so I'm glad that we have this opportunity to talk, because I just love getting the opportunity to talk with you about everything and all kinds of things, and politics and and theater and, and just whatever we have on our agenda to talk about. And it's always great to, to connect with you. Absolutely. So I'm glad you did. Well, I'm glad. I'm, you glad. I'm glad you're glad, and I'm certainly glad. I, um, <laughs> You know, one thing that a bit sad turn, because I noticed a, a Facebook post that you uh, made about this. Since the last time we talked, show business and, and really all America of a certain era, certainly, lost the beautiful smile of the Tony Award-winning Broadway legend Anne Rankin. Yes. And I know you wrote on Facebook that you had met her, and tell us a, a little about that. Well, it was a very interesting time because we were in rehearsal for the show Chicago, uh -huh. and she came in with several of the big main people who were involved in the show, all of the backers and, you know, and uh, the quote-unquote money people and everything. Mm -hmm. And she she came in and she had a smile on her face. Now, I don't know Anne very well at all, but she had this, just not even a mysterious smile, just a, a loving, warm, inviting smile on her face that day. Mm. And when we were all introduced basically individually to her, and everyone, she smiled at me, and we talked briefly about Mama Morton, which was the character that I did, and her ideas about it, and because she had done the show so many times before and all of that, and I just stood there mesmerized because I was getting first-hand information from someone who had done the role yes. and who had, quote-unquote, made it her own. And I certainly was very green and needed every bit of direction and, and encouragement that I could get. And that's what she did for me. We talked, I bet you, no more than maybe five, six, seven minutes top. Mm. But it made an impression on my life, on my ability to do that show like I have never, ever had and I've never forgotten. Yeah. It's moments like that that really really live with us forever and they come back every moment we need them it just takes a slight yes. even an aroma you smell a flower yes. and it reminds you you flower lover you you know what i'm talking about it uh <laughs> yes. it, it's it's just something and 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 we all of course you don't have to be a star to have that right. kind of impact on someone and and it wasn't right. just her star quality it was her smile and the fact yes. that she took time to talk with you, that's the thing that can touch a person and determine a lot of things that go on for the rest of our lives. I, I know you... Absolutely. Uh, I, I know you, you mentioned... I mentioned early on the word history and my feelings about it. And you just slipped in that we often talk about politics. The only reason I know anything about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is because I love... Uh, August Wilson's plays, and I'm familiar with mm -hmm. them. But, you know, with COVID and everything, Netflix is making a bundle of money because we're all staying home watching Netflix. Have you seen, mm -hmm. by any chance, Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom on Netflix? No, I have not had the opportunity. It is on my wish list, but let me just throw out that I did do Ma Rainey's Black Bottom at Betty's Theater many years ago. Oh, well then, that is great. 
talk to me, talk to me. The, the thing about doing that, and of course I think you, you will remember this very well, Betty was the kind of person who would say to me, especially because I was her sister and she could do that, she'd say, okay, now, you're going to do so-and-so, and you're going to uh, direct this, and you're going to find your own cast, and you're going to uh, set up the stage, you're going to, you know, she made me responsible for doing all those things, and I will be eternally yeah. grateful to her yes. for having insisted that I learn every phase of this business that she knew how to teach me to do. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm just grateful for that. And so she said, we, I'm thinking about doing Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. You're going to do that. You're going to do it. You're going to play Ma Rainey, and we'll get the cast, and we'll do this, and we'll do that. And it was by far one of the most wonderful shows that we put on. You know, we did Ain't Misbehaving at yes. her theater. We did... Oh, so many things there. Yeah. And on that small stage and on that tiny grand scale that she could do things, even though it was small, mm. she did amazing things. And I am just thrilled that I had the opportunity to do it. I think now that I am uh, a, a vintage more in age, I was a bit too young to, to do Ma Rainey. In my estimation, I think I did, quote unquote, an okay job of it, but... I believe if I were to do it now, I would have a lot more, quote-unquote, weight yes. to do it. Not yes. physical weight, but emotional and yes. spiritual weight to be able to pull that off. And I know, I absolutely know, without a doubt, Viola Davis is killing it. She is just oh. killing it. I, you know, and I love her anyway. I mean, she could go, come out and it's the old saying, she could read the telephone book and I'd be there, yes. uh, you know. But she truly truly is amazing in, in everything I've seen her in. Everything. And yes. they're and yes. they're all different, you know. She's she's uh -huh. very much open to trying anything. And mm -hmm. of course Fences was unbelievable. Uh, it's, uh, but yes. she but in this because I only knew the character and of course the character we should make clear to other people like me <laughs> and Denzel Washington, by the way, I felt so good because they do hats off to Netflix. They do a couple of behind the scene videos about the, the making of the movie. And Denzel Washington yeah. mentions that he didn't know who Ma Rainey was until just uh -huh. and same with me until I, you know, read the play. And uh -huh. there, there's so much about history we don't know. And I just all of life in this country especially, would be so much better, and the country would be better, if we knew all of our history. Because not yes. not everyone would come along on this idea, but the more people know about the more people who have lived here and what they've contributed, I think that draws us together. There is so much in August Wilson's plays, of course, but there's so much mm -hmm. in this play and in, in Viola Davis's performance that shows real people. Ma Rainey was a real person who in 1927, in the 20s for Pete's sake, mm -hmm. was mm -hmm. uh, a star that she, you know, she made herself a star. They call her the mother of the blues. You know, you ought to, you're doing this blues show. Do you, do you ever, uh, maybe you should be doing a couple of her things and maybe a moment, a segment. Just remember where you heard it. <laughs> I think well, you'd be fabulous, seriously. Well, it's very interesting that you should say that because in my show, uh, there are references to Bessie Smith, uh -huh. who was her protege. Yes. I mean, Ma discovered Bessie. Yes. Okay, because Bessie was a young singer at the time, and that's how I knew that much about Ma Rainey because when I did Bessie uh, several years ago, she always referred to Ma Rainey. Yes. And so that's how I started researching Ma Rainey, and yes, I do several of her things in my new show. So okay, there then. you go. All right, so it was <laughs> so it didn't orig the idea didn't originate with me. I can live with that. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, we're going to have to go soon, but we can't go without a another tip of the hat to Mr. Reynolds. Yeah, yeah. that was a great time. Well, that was a great time. That was a great time. I miss him very, very much. And, you know, the, the theater now is called the Palm Beach Institute. And just for the sake of your, your audience, we have not been allowed to call ourselves 
people who associated with Burt Reynolds in any way. His family took that away from us. I, I had a long and loving relationship with Mr. Reynolds over the course of my young career. He made it possible for me to be able to do so many kinds of things in theater and television and film. And uh, when he passed away, they asked us to cease and desist. So there is no reference to him. Unfortunately, we are now called the Palm Beach Institute, but we have some photos of Mr. Reynolds inside the theater and we have a little place that's set up that we always feel that he is watching over us with, mm. with love and with care. And so that's, uh, it kind of breaks my heart a little, but that's their privilege to do that and it's their prerogative. And so that's what I know, but I will always have in my heart, my memories and, and my great good thoughts about the wonderful Mr. Burt Reynolds. That's right. Well, Avery, I don't think we can top that. I didn't know that. But you, you've got him where it counts, and, and I know you know that. And I know from you and from my association with Sally Field that he was truly an amazingly generous human being. And I'm glad you got to know yes. him and work with him. And thank you for yes. sharing that story. Oh, thank you very much for bringing him up always and uh, had me... Uh, actually having the opportunity to express how I feel about it. Excellent. All right, then. We're going to go. We've, uh, boy, we, you know, <laughs> we cover it all, don't we? I mean, <laughs> so much, so much. Thank you, Avery. Yes. Thank you for being thank my you, friend, Amy. and thank you for being on the show, okay? I love it. Thank you so much. Now, oh. you have a great holiday, and everybody out there, have a wonderful holiday, and Stay well and stay safe, and hopefully we'll see you in the new year, 2021. And so it is. All right. God bless you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. And now, Broadway's Avery Summers. Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. What matters to we the people doesn't matter to McConnell and Trump's GOP. 
where would labellers opportunists and hypocrites be without their blindly obedient overly armed minions of extremes rising up from revisionist history to whitewash second-class citizenship with self-deluded white lies goose-stepping across the backs of the less fortunate to reverse democracy at the feet of the too-big-to-jail behemoths possessing too many dollars without the good sense to know the balance of the power of cash flow succeeds only when a two-way street when will democrats republicans independents and non-voters cease ignoring the variation on hamlet's admonition there are more people places and things important to occupy heaven than are dreamt of by eyes wide shut earthlings repeatedly blindsided by ravenously money-hungry corporatism forever imposing herd mentality to subjugate and suppress life on earth both enabling and colluding with a morally bankrupt system pretend president and their piggish puppeteers gathering maskless at the trough of oppression why do both right and left extremes continue to believe america can survive if either succeeds without the centered strength of middle-class stability how foolish to proclaim ourselves first while so vehemently choosing to be two unequal halves non-voters independents and both republican and democratic parties solidified their self-proclaimed definitions proving gender bias sexual hypocrisy and racial bigotry is what swings america's political cultural financial pendulum between lincoln's republicans versus anti-civil war democrats presidential whig remnants versus silver dollar and wilsonian progressives hooverville banker owned republicans versus black new deal democrats jim crow anti-civil rights dixiecrats versus sixties assassinations first tricky dick and trickle-down anti-welfare versus malaise labeled tree-huggers cia bushes torturing and second tricky dicks forever oil wars versus obama wave damned by mcconnell's fingered dyke and citizens united conservative corporate gop enabling russian comrade versus gender equality planned parenthood and human decency in this too often sad and sometimes shameful lifeline lies the buried and forgotten truth in the lies we tell ourselves before we meet and greet whatever comes after and hear the inevitable entrance inquiry did you contribute to accomplishing what we sent you to do we need ask an answer for ourselves when will we learn the lesson of what is past is prologue if we keep repeating the same mistakes of desiring supremacy over others greed for all that glitters and fear-driven anger that another's gain is stolen from our potential the arrogance that makes us so vulnerable to the big cons in our uncontrollable desire to be like them we salute elect and sell our nation's soul willingly happily and gladly for the ashes of economic physical and spiritual truth decay it is essential that we stop looking at America and all who inhabit it through the eyes of self-indulgent fairy tales and political party branding, and see all that we have wrought in 2020. We ourselves have elected since the Novembers of 1972, 1980, and 2000, each third of this triad of misinformation manipulation inaugurated the ever-increasing downward spiral foreshadowing our portrayal of ourselves, culminating in november 2016 most republicans who voted for bush cheney and continue to insist trump won our 2020 presidential election first lock stepped in the pied piper gop parade of the southern strategy believing it the american way and so it became ensconced in every easily marketable sign slogan and chant defaming the very concept of rocket's red glare over there and love thy neighbor as thyself when i was a child my mother told me i couldn't see the wind only the result of it with the 2015 Republican bond, Mitch McConnell's October 2010 priorities, and Senate Judiciary Committee's 2016 constipation of the Supreme Court of the United States, America has inhaled the foul results of Republican ill wind blowing from Putin's alley ally, Donald J. Trump. 
Every voter and non-voter are as responsible for the leaders we elect as we are accountable for their faux patriotism, pretense of representing all of the people all of the time, and their unconstitutional power grabs. Yet, despite 17.6 million COVID cases and more than 318,000 American deaths, in 2020, 80 million voters elected to eject an inept dishonest and possibly treasonous presidential Scrooge, using American taxpayers as the personal ATM for his family offshore intrigues. There is no escaping that the leaders we elect are our truth serum side effects. So if we don't like what we've become, or just want to cover our posterior for our hereafter homework completion query, perhaps there's an honorable path to glory, the power of kindness. Allow me to explain. Choose one additional day each year to live like tis the season to give, or one additional month each year to acknowledge the contribution of people of color, maybe making our birthdays or anniversaries an additional annual Giving Tuesday, and replace McConnell's Dorian Gray by becoming the stewards of our environment, saving Earth's climate for the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness of our children. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.